Alright everyone, welcome back to the Royville Movie House. Looks like the lights are up and all my popcorn is gone. So, I think it is time to talk about our so-called next good movie. We watched The Sound of Music this week and Steve's still a little... A little, little on the fence, a little out in the meadow on this one. All right, so The Sound of Music was released in 1965. Uh, it stars Julie Andrews as Maria, Christopher Plummer as Captain Von Trapp, Eleanor Parker as the Baroness, Richard Hayden as Max Detwilder, Peggy Wood as Mother Abbess, and I'm only going to name one of the children because there are seven of them, uh, Charmaine Carr as Liesel. And I guess I should maybe give some credit to Rolf, who was played by Daniel Truheat. It was based on a Broadway musical written by Richard, Roger, Richard Rogers as the composer, Oscar Hammerstein II as the lyricist and dramas, dramatist. I'm having a little problems making the words. <laughs> Sorry. Um... Well, that's okay. I was lied to when one of the characters was named the Baroness. <laughs> anyway. Um, the actual writing credits for the movie itself um, was Howard Lindsay, who adapted the stage musical for the stage, uh, Ernest Lehman, who wrote the screenplay, and the whole shebang is based on a book called The Story of the Trap Family Singers by Maria Augusta Von Trapp. All right. So, the movie itself is beautiful, and I'm sorry... You can't say anything differently. It was filmed in Strasbourg, Austria. The mountains, the town, the architecture, everything about this movie is beautiful. It's There's nothing more to say about I it. I cannot disagree. The first five minutes, I thought I was watching Lord of the Rings. Uh, very, very good. I was... Expecting a group of dwarves and uh, 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 Bilbo Baggins, <laughs> uh, an elf, uh, to be running across the scenery. But through the whole movie, um, the location uh, scout needs to have kudos because that was a beautiful backdrop, beautiful scenery. Even the interiors, the exteriors, great. The movie itself, and I believe this is probably why this is on the top 100 list of all time, and not a whole lot of this kind of musical is on that list. We have Cabaret's on there, which is an innovative musical. For its time, Sound of Music was a little bit innovative, but... It was filmed in a different manner than what most stage musical film adaptations would be. It was well acted. It was not over the top acted. It wasn't a Broadway production that they just happened to put on film. It was an actual story where the characters actually, where the characters had a quirk of singing. Some of the plot. Um, it is way too much. Oh. <laughs> It is the sixth highest grossing film of all time. Really? Sixth. 
that is adjusted for inflation as well. Still, that surprises me. Sixth, it is consistently ranked in the top five movie movie musicals of all time of most lists. Well, I can understand that. There's not a lot of them. Oh no, there's there's a I mean there's Singing in the Rain and there's all of those musicals as well. Those are musical. They're not musical theater movies, but they are musical movies. So there are quite a few of them, but of this time, since it was in the 60s, this art form, the movie musical was dying. And this came out at just the right time with just the right kind of plot for what people were looking for at that point. Boring. It is not boring. <laughs> it, breathed, it, it breathed some life back into this specific genre. Um, and it opened the doors for the movie musicals that come out now, like Hamilton and uh, Les Mis and a few of the other ones recently. So that's what I have to say about kind of the background of The Sound of Music. It is a movie that I watched yearly growing up because we did not have cable and they played it. Once a year, I can't remember, it was surrounding a holiday, it might have been Easter maybe, where they would play it. And my aunt, who loved to play the piano after dinner on Sundays, would play Rodgers and Hammerstein stuff. And one of her favorite songs to play, well, a couple of them, was I Have Confidence and The Sound of Music Itself, the, the title song. Also, every Christmas, you hear another song from The Sound of Music everywhere called My Favorite Things. All right. Well, I mean, thankfully, uh, I didn't have to grow up with the movie. Uh, I will say, in all fairness, this is our second watching. Because, as you know, there was a little hiatus between our last movie and this movie. Or our last group of movies in this movie. Uh, I did have... A little bit more appreciation for it watching it the second time than I did watching it the first time. I did see a few more things. Like, for example, the nuns were a group of Heathers dating you if you understand that reference. But a great group of Heathers or Julie Andrews' character who was, what was her name? Maria. Maria, okay. Uh, they were the reindeer to Maria's Rudolph. They were mean, yes. Mean girls, yes. Um, they, one of the first, actually, I think it's the first actual group song of the production, um, is called, How Do You Solve a Problem Like Maria? And they're complaining about the fact that she's happy and singing in the Abbey and running. And, and they won't let her play games with them. <laughs> she's late for everything except for the meals. And yeah, she's a girl. She's a kid. Um, I believe that Maria is supposed to be right around 21 to 23 in the movie. Julie Andrews was actually 29 when she played her, but she does look quite a bit younger. She was 29? Yes. Oh. I actually looked it up because I was thinking we were going to have one of those red flag moments. Well, I don't know. It's it's the whole thing where I always think people in older movies are older than what they actually are. Just well, because of, you know. Do you want to know how old Christopher Plummer was? 
Because this surprised me really hard. How old was Christopher Plummer? He was 34. He was 34? I would have sworn he was in his 50s. Correct. Seriously, that is crazy. That that guy needs to get out of the sun. (laughs) But anyway, um, so basically, for those of you who don't know, the plot is very simple. Maria is a girl who is a... A prospect, a, a novice, I think is what they call in a nunnery. She hasn't taken her vows yet, but she lives there and is training, nun in training. Um, and because of the mean girls not really liking her, not wanting her to play their uh, reindeer games, I guess, um, she it comes out that she's probably not going to make that great of a nun. She's too carefree. She's too happy, I guess. Because nuns, I guess, can't be either of those things. Um, There's a job that opens up in town. There's a family, a large family, that needs a new governess. So they assign Maria to go and help this family out until a suitable replacement can be made. So Maria goes singing along the way because it's a, music, it's a movie musical and you know what everybody's thinking because they sing it. Um, trying to talk herself into having confidence and she gets there and it's a huge mansion with big wrought iron gates and it's quiet and with the the, uh handles to the wrought iron gate higher than what you would think people would it it was originally made for trolls i think i think giants or something of that sort it may have been originally made for people to be to open while they were mounted on horses Oh, now you're trying to get history into this? Well, because it's, I think it's an actual, like, place. I don't think it was a set. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> trying to get educated on me. Okay, go ahead. All right. I'll... But, but, or it could have been trolls or giants. Okay, good. At least we agree. Because it was in Central Europe, there that, that stronghold for giants, right? Sure. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. The Black Forest? Yeah. Or no, wait. Austria. Well, yeah, yeah. Okay. Carry on. Anyway, um, when she meets uh, her new employer, uh, Captain Von Tropp, he is rigid and cold and uh, and military. I don't know what else to describe him as. Likes green? Yeah, he does wear a lot of green in the movie. (laughs) I was wondering if that was something, because obviously he dresses aristocratically maybe it was kind of trying to represent that he was ex-military so he had like green on his lapels and green you know i was i was wondering if that was the reason why um or he was just he just like green i don't know yeah but he's so militaristic and possibly just stuck in a rut of grief after his wife died because his wife died no more than five years ago because their youngest daughter is five. So she died relatively recently. Didn't they say like two years? Maybe. I don't know. I don't know if they put an actual number to it, but I mean, just she gave birth to Gretel who's five. So, um, it could be no more than that long. Unless he has more explaining to do. I don't know. But he calls them all, all the kids out. There are seven of them. Calls them all out by whistling for them on a 
Navy? Dog whistle. Well, it, it's probably some kind of Navy whistle since he was in the Navy when he was in the military. But it's basically and, sounds like if he's doing a, a dog whistle. But yeah. So the kids all sound off from oldest to youngest. Oldest is 16, youngest is five, and there are seven of them. So they're spread out in age throughout the developmental stages. Um, he tries to assign her a whistle and she was just like, nope. And the kids put a toad in her pocket because that's why the governesses keep quitting. Well, the jokes, the pranks that the kids are playing, they're, they're, they're not being nice to their governesses. Um, then they have dinner. Where Maria proceeds to make the kids cry because she makes them feel so guilty about leaving the toad in her pocket. And then they make her sit on a pine cone, I think is that. that yeah, dinner. Yeah, yeah. They put a pine cone. So there's like some, some kid-like pranks to kind of show that they're mean kids, bad kids somehow. So, yeah. So basically fast forwarding a little bit. Um, Van Trapp. Uh, needs to go speak to the Baroness uh, because she's trying to get out of Cobra. And <laughs> then while that's going on, uh, Maria brainwashes the children into liking her by using song. And when <laughs> he comes back, uh, all the kids love her and want their, her to be their new mom. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's as good a sum up as you're going to get. The Cobra thing I missed, that went over my head, evidently. That it, was have... <laughs> okay. it was subtle. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, so he brings the governess back, who is very likely going to be his, his wife. The kids soften him up by singing, and they sound good. They haven't sung in the house since his wife died whole lot of things he lightens up lets them sing in front of the baroness um and then he sings in front of the baroness which i have no shame in admitting that as a very small ellen christopher Plummer was one of my first celebrity crushes and it's he was 35 ellen <laughs> yeah uh <laughs> But it's mostly because of that scene where he sings the song Edelweiss, which was written as a folk song, um, which I find really pretty, but Steve just really doesn't like. I don't know. I think I've heard Edelweiss. Where I, okay, so the music was written by Rodgers and Hammerstein. I have come to realize that I am not a fan of their music. Okay. That's, that's why. And I think Edelweiss is probably uh, a very, very poignant representation of their music. So Maria and the captain are making eyes at each other while he's singing. And the Baroness, well, notices because women do. Women notice these things, at least in the the sixty. Well, this was ba this was. Uh, yeah, women don't notice these things anymore. No, <laughs> we're oblivious as hell. Heck, heck. Anyway, um, so 
the Baroness has a suspicion that they're actually in love with each other, but he's her employer, she's his employee, she loves the kids, you know. He also brings back from, I don't know, where did he go? It wasn't Berlin. I don't even remember where he came from. Paris? Anyway. He came from a big city. He came back from a big city. He brought the Baroness with him and his friend, Max, who is an entertainment agent and looking for the next big singing sensation. He's a groovy dude. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> to, um, Max is looking for the next big singing sensation to enter in the Schrotsberg Singing Music Festival. Music Festival. And he talks to Captain, says maybe the kids will do it because it's a whole family thing. And He tried a couple others. Uh, they talked about a couple other uh, music groups that couldn't do it. He asked the Brady kids. They couldn't do it. So he had to go with the seven Van, Von, Von Trapp children. And the Captain says, no, my kids don't sing in public. And he backs off because, you know, he's his friend. But the captain decides, next plot point, captain decides to have a party to introduce the Baroness to his friends in Schrapsburg. And um, I apologize if I keep saying the name of that town wrong. I really do. But he has a party. To all our Austrian uh, listeners, we apologize. Or, you know, anybody who speaks German or Austrian. Anybody. Because <laughs> I'm sure... For all of our it. listeners that speak German and Austrian, and or Austrian, we apologize. I'm sure I'm butchering it. Anyway, it was a nice party. They open the ballroom up, and then they do an Austrian folk dance. They play an Austrian folk dance, and one of the kids wants Maria to teach them how to do it. So she does, and the captain cuts in, illustrating even more that the two of them have pretty deep feelings for each other yeah the baroness walks in on them come to find out that the uh she does a little underhanded talking to get maria uh to leave to want to leave maria leaves goes back to the nunnery uh with all the other with all the heathers and then von trapp and the baroness get together they get married he gets they don't oh get they married. don't get married they get engaged they get engaged i'm sorry i'm sorry they get engaged and well eventually they oh no no they just get engaged the kids go and say you have to come back the baroness is getting our father's money for cobra and then maria's like you're right you're right i'm a gi joe person so i'm gonna go and gonna help him out and they eventually get married and everybody lives happily ever after i honestly have no idea what movie you watched <laughs> only okay, part so of that then, is true <laughs> at the very least i'm pretty sure the kids try to get maria to come back yes but okay, maria won't so see the, anyone all right so the very subtle thing is the all right is the cobra subplot got it right so maria refuses to see anyone including the kids the mother superior um sings her very inspirational song and sends her back because you don't run away from your problems you face them on so maria goes back gets her job back finds out that the captain and the baroness are engaged. 
and um, goes to get settled in while everybody else has dinner, I think. But after dinner, the captain and the baroness have a long heart to heart. And the baroness basically says, if somebody doesn't need me, then I just don't think I should marry them. And that includes my money, which or something to that effect, which actually made me really sad, even though she was kind of mean to her. Well, not mean, but underhanded earlier in the movie. The Baroness became pretty sad when she and the captain split. And then the captain goes to find Maria. And they profess their love for each other, sing a very lovely song. Very uh, poignant scene in the gazebo. I actually did like how that was filmed. Uh, actually, it kind of reminded me of Beauty and the Beast a little bit. The the cartoon, the animated movie. Um, oh, the way it was framed. Yeah, the way it was framed. It was it was cute. It was romantic. It was I don't know. It was well done. Very good. Um. <clears throat> So they profess their love, and then fast forward, next scene, they're getting married in the Abbey with all the nuns behind the, behind the, <laughs> you <laughs> stay in your cage, nuns. <laughs> that was pretty funny. Uh, but anyway, they uh, have a lovely wedding, Maria wearing a dreamy wedding dress and Chris, and uh, Captain Von Trapp looking incredibly dashing in his military uniform okay so at this time we've got to backtrack just a tad this is austria this is set in austria of and 19 in the beginning of the movie it says it places the location as austria in the golden years the last of the golden the years. last of the golden years of the 30s, 30s. yes so as you might be aware, there's something very, very big coming at the end of the 1930s. Yeah, and it's starting to happen in the plot of this play, or the plot of this story. Um, as we have said, Captain Von Trapp was an officer in the Austrian Navy and retired. Uh, probably retired when his wife died because somebody had to take care of the kids. But that's just me speculating. But... The, um, their friendly neighborhood Nazi, um, actually their neighbors, the Nazis, uh, would very much like for Captain Van Trapp to come out of retirement and take a command within the Third Reich's Navy. Yes, they sent him a letter, which was an offer, air quotes, to regain his commission uh, an offer that I'm sure he couldn't refuse. So, um, throughout the whole story, every time this comes up, Captain Von Trapp reiterates over and over and over again that he is Austrian. He is not German. He is Austrian. He has a lot of pride in his lineage being Austrian um, and keeps turning them down and keeps blowing them off flying the Austrian flag instead of the Nazi flag. Which actually there's a scene after he realizes what's going on where he actually tears down 
the Nazi flag and tears it up, um, showing that, you know, that he is upset with what is going on in his country. So, that being said, there's another character, a supporting character named Rolf, who is roughly just a little bit older than Liesel, who is Captain Van Trapp's oldest girl. And they're secretly dating, I guess. Well, they're meeting in the gazebo and saying sweet things to each other. Rolf is a Nazi. I mean, there's really no other way to say it. Pretty much from the get-go. full Christian Slater on her saying that you need to be with me. We're going to destroy this place. Uh, We're going to kill everybody as Nazis. It's going to be great. Okay, yeah, yeah, basically. But then at the end, she she finds him, well, not finds him, she sees him. It's toward the end of the plot. Um, and I'm skipping ahead, I think. You're skipping ahead. You're missing the best part of the movie where the Nazi guy comes up and says, So, I have trapped you once again, Dr. Jones. And then Von Trapp says, These kids belong in a museum! And gets his bullwhip out and starts... Whoosh, Oh. That was Indiana Jones. Oh. We should have watched Indiana Jones. (laughs) However, the local Nazi governor or whatever does sort of look like the Nazi from... uh, He does. He even has the the shop at the same store. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) Anyway, I, I I gotta give it to him. So, Maria and Captain Von Trapp get married. So that's where I left the plot to backtrack and get some of those points. They get married. It's beautiful. They go on their wedding. They go on their honeymoon um, trip for a month. And during that month, Max, being the underhanded, opportunistic man that he is, enters the kids in this music festival. Um, Von Trapp comes back to find the Nazi flag flying on his uh, mansion. Steve already told you that he tears it down and rips it apart, which is a... Fantastic image. And he receives that letter, which was delivered to Liesel from Rolf, who Rolf tells Liesel he has more important things to worry about than Liesel's feelings now. Yep, he's called blocking her. Mm -hmm. So Liesel hands the letter over. The captain reads it. Offer he can't refuse. And so they come up with a plan. And the plan is, even though the captain doesn't want his kids singing in public, they're going to use them, the idea that they are singing in the festival. Because at first they weren't actually going to sing in the festival. (coughs) But to get out of the house because they need to get out and gone before the Nazis realize that he's gone. So... The boys and the captain push their car off the off the grounds, and through some real subtle like exchanges of looks and uh, tones of voices, we kind of suspect that their butler, the von Trapp's butler, is an informer. So we're pretty sure because they also show the butler watching them push their car off the property from a from a window in the mansion. Once they get the car off the property, the Nazis are there with four cars. And so Mr. and Cap, or I'm sorry, Mrs. and Captain Von Trapp decide to use the 
kids singing as their cover. They give the program over since Max already entered them and so they're on the program. But now they all have to go sing. So they go to the festival and they sing. And while the judges are compiling their... Um, they're tallying their points to see who won the competition. Um, they sing a reprise of a song that they sang earlier. It's off. It's the audience is sad because they announced that the captain's going back into is being pressed into duty. Um, they sing their song and they all leave two at a time, two at a time, two at a time off the stage. And then they announce from third place to first place. And during this time, the family is gone. Because, of course, they win first prize. Because this is a musical. This is a Broadway musical. And it is not a tragedy. So they win first prize. But they're not there. Um, the Nazis scramble. And ascertain that they probably went to the Abbey because that's where Maria was from. And they did. <laughs> so the nuns uh, hide them away in a cemetery on the roof. Well, it's, it's just part of the... I think it's like a room, a large, almost auditorium uh, room that is being used as a cemetery mausoleum for probably the more aristocratic individuals in town. I would think, I mean, um, cool, interesting area. So they're hiding. The nuns hide them. Oh, and yes, now the nuns go good. Right, because they they help helping. Them. They 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 just needed to marry off uh, Maria. She was just not too good much. enough to be. Yeah, there. yeah. Once she was married off, they were okay with it. Um. So they're getting out of the abbey, and I guess this is along the way to get out. They're going to take the the groundskeeper's car and drive as far as they can, and then walk over the mountains because the borders have been closed. Um, which sets up the most tense scene. And I, it was very well done because even as an adult, after seeing the movie many, many times, I still get tense. The family's hiding behind large grave markers or monuments of some sort. And the Nazis come in shining their flashlights and shaking the gates to make sure they're locked. They are because the nuns, of course, locked it after they left. But they can't get out until the Nazis get out of this room area or whatever. Um, so they shake all the gates. They shine their lights. They do their thing. And then Rolf comes up into the room and hides because he has a suspicion that they're back there because Liesel gasped when she saw him coming to the room. The rest of the Nazis leave to go that's why I think I thought it was on the roof because I think the line is let's go to the roof to to find the family. Ah. <laughs> so, um, so they go to investigate another part of the abbey, but Rolf stays behind and hides behind yet another monument um, on the other side, hiding from the family. They think the coast is clear. They get up. Rolf 
threatens the captain with a gun. And the captain... Then Von Trapp gets his whip out, takes the gun away from him, and pow, pow, shoots him dead. Wrong movie again. Oh. But the captain does disarm oh. Rolf. The captain does disarm Rolf. With judo. I guess. No. No. Oh. I th- he just grabs the gun from him, I think. And Rolf didn't seem like he was going to give them away until... What did Von Trapp do? You'll never be one of them. You'll never be a good Nazi. Basically. And so Rolf yells, giving them away. They run, they get in the car, they drive off. The nuns have taken the distributor caps and wires from the Nazis' cars, so when they go to start them, they can't actually chase the family. And then one of them took a severed head. (laughs) No, that was the Family Guy episode. (laughs) Is that Rolf? Anyway. (laughs) So basically the last lines of the movie are a joke, sort of, um... Where two of the nuns say, Mother Superior, I've sinned. And they show the Mother Superior, the distributor caps and wires from the Nazi scars. So um, the ending shot is probably another shot that Steve can go on for a long time about. Because it's beautiful. It shows the family crossing the mountains on foot. Yeah. But it's showing the mountains. As they're trying to get to Mordor to destroy the ring. And then they do the Disney court at the end for the beautiful song, Climb Every Mountain. So that's basically the movie that we saw. I enjoy this movie because it's got a lot of nostalgia for myself. It reminds me of my mother. It reminds me of my aunt who has since passed away. Um, Also, I genuinely think that it's a good plot. Whether you like the music or not, the plot itself is, is simple, straightforward, not veiled in anything, and it's entertaining. And I happen to like the music. I mean, it. on second watch, it wasn't as bad as the first watch. I did like uh, a few things in it. I definitely liked the locations. They were great. The acting was all right. Uh, the kids on the bikes uh, singing was kind of fun. Uh, Maria whipping the kids with a horse uh, uh, crop was kind of cool. <laughs> Um, the marionette show to me was exceedingly boring. Um, however, watching it a second time, I did start to get the subtleness of the, um, tension, uh, building up towards the end when the Von Trapps have to escape. I got that a lot more the second time. And that, that's actually understandable because it is subtle. It is the thing that causes the tension that makes the plot move forward. But it's not it's not in your face like an Indiana Jones movie where you're actually facing down a Nazi. The Nazi the, the Nazi governor in this movie only is in, I believe, two or three scenes. And I think he probably only has about five lines. Yeah, in like a hundred hour movie, he was probably in it like ten minutes. It was not a hundred hour movie. It felt like a hundred hours. It How was, long was it? It's almost three hours. It is a long movie. I With an intermission. That. I will give you that. It is a long movie. Um, I can't state enough that like if you watch a movie musical 
that was produced and released before The Sound of Music was produced and released. And then you watch movie musicals after that point. There is a definite difference. The acting quality, because what they used to do for at least Broadway musicals that were adapted for film is they would cast the actors who played on Broadway into those movies. And that doesn't always translate. Steve and I both have acted on stage. We kind of know, like, being on stage, you have to be exaggeratedly big in just about everything, from your facial feet, your facial expressions to how your hands move to reactions. Um, but on film, you can be very, very small and subtle. And this is one of the first musical movies that allowed actors, like Christopher Plummer was not a musical actor. And actually, you can kind of tell from his voice, it's not the best. It's not horrible, but it's not a trained voice. It's not a trained singing voice. Christopher Plummer was an actor, actor. And Julie, Julie Andrews did come from Broadway, but she was young enough that the director was able to kind of mold her into what he needed for the, for the movie. Um, it, this is on the hundred, the top 100 because of some of the, the change in philosophy of telling the story of a musical on film, as opposed to watching it on stage. Watching it on stage is all choreography and huge smiles and big hand movements. And if you saw it up close, you'd be like, why the hell are they moving that way? Um, whereas film can get pretty much right up in your face and you can be pretty subtle. You don't have to be huge. So um, there's that. Um, I liked it. Steve Smith. Uh, I don't know. It, it was long. I, if it was long and I liked the, the music more, I probably would have liked it a lot more. Like I said, I did appreciate it more on my second viewing, but probably that will be my last viewing. I can give you that. I will say that Rodgers and Hammerstein, whether you like their music or not, especially in their later plays and their later productions... Um, they touched a little bit more on actual big themes. And this big theme was, well, Nazism. I, I, I don't even want to say racism. The loss of freedom. Yeah, yeah. And the fight to maintain it. And the wonderful thing about this specific play is it came out in 1962, um, which was a little less than 20 years after World War II was the, the armistice was signed. Um, which means that they didn't even have to be subtle about what they were saying in it. They didn't have to hide it from people because they had just literally fought and won a war over these issues. So that was nice. Um, there was no subtlety to, to read into it. It was Nazis bad, freedom good, okay? <laughs> um, but anyway, um, that is our review of The Sound of Music. Um, Steve's meh, never really wants to see it again. I really liked it, but I've always liked it. So, for our next couple of movies, we have uh, decided on them. Our bad movie will be next. I don't know if it'll be next week. I'm not going to commit to an actual strict schedule yet. But our next movie is Manos, The Hands of Fate, 
which on some lists, not ours, but on some lists, that is the number one worst movie made of all time. So pray for us. Our next good movie, which will be after Manos, The Hands of Fate, is one that Steve, I believe, is looking forward to because it's one of his favorite actors, one of one of the vehicles for Jimmy Stewart. It's Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. Yep. I like that movie already. Uh, spoiler alert. Uh, and I have seen it more than a couple times. So there you go. All right. Well, it does look like they are turning the lights up on the street. So, we must be getting out of here. That was our review of the prequel movie to the TV show Eight is Enough. Um, as you are aware, uh, if you like this, subscribe. I think I broke Ellen. Sorry. Uh, if you like this, please subscribe. Leave a comment. Anything else, Ellen? No. All Have right. a good night. Have a good night, everyone. <laughs>